Hey, this is Paul Doherty. I'm the pastor of Victory Church, and I want to thank you for joining us today on the podcast. I hope this message inspires you. I hope it builds your faith. I hope it reminds you that God is not finished with you yet, and your best days are right in front of you. Enjoy the message. I needed an exorcism because I was into terrorism. Filled with hate, used to be saw back in the day, was consumed with religion. Now Paul's here to say, our relationship with God is the one true way. I'm no longer a fan, more like a follower. I play for victory's team. I am more than a conqueror. First, he had to blind me. Then he realigned me. He made me search for him. He said, seek and you will find me. <laughs> I guess you could say I'm something like a pallbearer. Looking at eternity, it couldn't be fairer. Crucified with Christ, it's a new era. Eating the bread of life and I ain't ordered from Panera. I'm not a saint, but I gave my life as a canvas for God to paint. He transformed my mind and filled me with the spirit. Now I'm living with no restraints. So where hell reigns, I'm letting God invade. Asking him to break these chains. It's in him I shall not lack. The cross before me, I'm never turning back. How do I say this differently? I did it in 1st and 2nd Timothy. They said it'd be the death of me, but then I wrote Titus and Philemon. I'm an ex-legalist slaying demons. God proved them wrong, putting pen to paper with the revelation so strong. Dear Thessalonica, two books I write you. I'm impressed with your faith. In the face of persecution, at the rapture, Christ will return for those who will spark the revolution. Playlist on repeat, something like the greatest showman, as I script the book to all my Romans. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. So listen to this apostle. These scriptures are colossal, speaking to believers to believe now in full throttle. The two Corinthians and Galatians, breath of heaven is alive in this word, and it's for all nations. This authority is available for anyone. Anyone, anyone who believes and receives that Jesus is the way and knows grace. This can't be achieved, for it is only given, and it sparks a new living. So chase storms and then change lives. Seek grace and then realize that we are empowered to deal hope. To those that are at the end of their rope, drowning in life, trying to reach the shore with every stroke. But when you have Jesus, all fear has to go. He's in your situation with a paddle and a boat. This is the reason I will never boast. Salvation is for all, so get up and go. Make disciples of all nations. That's all I ever tried to do. I've answered my calling. Now the question is, will you? Come on, I love it, I love it. Well, we are in our series, St. Paul. How many of y'all enjoyed hearing that monologue from St. Paul? We have been diving into who Paul was in the Bible. Who was this guy anyways? He wrote half the New Testament, right? In the Bible, there's two sections, the Old Testament, the New Testament. Paul writes half of it. He used to be a terrorist that would persecute Christians, and yet God interrupted his life on the road to Damascus and said, I've got a purpose for you. What we've learned in this series so far is that every saint has a past and every sinner has a future. 
that after Paul got saved and, and gave his life to Christ, he would go through a process. And then he would be used by God through a man named Barnabas who would give him a chance to go on his first missions trip, his ministry travels. We left off last week where Paul almost got killed on his first missions trip, right? He was left for dead. He was stoned by a bunch of people that, uh, that hated him. They had come to try and kick him out of the city, thrown all the rocks at him. They thought they killed him. And yet when believers circled around him, he came back to life. And so this week, we're gonna pick up in his life in Acts chapter 16. The message today is Midnight Instructions. Midnight Instructions. You can open your Bibles to Acts 16. Make some noise this morning. Come on. In Acts 16, verse 22, it says that a crowd had gathered around. Acts 16, verse 22, if we got that. The multitude rose up together against them and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into prison, commanding the jailer to keep them securely. Having received such a charge, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. And at about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners we're listening to them. Lord, I pray that you speak to us this morning. Let us leave changed, refreshed, encouraged, revived, reminded, God, that you're with us, you're for us. God, that there's no problem we face that you cannot deliver us out of. There's no addiction, there's no stronghold, there's no uh, uh, crisis, there's no situation that you cannot come through and give us the victory to overcome it. So Lord, this morning we lift our eyes to you, our hearts to you, God, we ask you to speak to us. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. amen. Well guys, I had our baby. I didn't have it, Ashley had our baby. <laughs> This last week, we had our baby boy, number three, Mac Elliott Doherty. He is as cute as can be. Look at that little handsome man. Come on, somebody. Looking like a Mac. Come on. Mac Elliott Doherty, and uh, we're excited. I've been getting some pretty good sleep the last few nights. Ashley hasn't, but uh, it's been really fun. It's been awesome just to see our kids interact with them, and and you know, it reminded me um, of a midnight hour in our life when our, our first child came. We, we, it, was, it was literally like towards the middle of the night that Ashley woke me up and said, we gotta go to the hospital, this baby is coming. And so, you know, we show up at the hospital, I'm freaking out, I'm, you know, the, the, the nurses are saying push and I'm trying to push and they're like, not you, her. And Ashley's getting mad at me and they're like, we need to get this woman an epidural immediately. You know, I was like, please, you know. And so it was intense, right? I'm gonna stop talking because I, I wanna, I wanna, be all good when I get home later and not be, you know, corrected by my wife. But I remember there was moments in my life where I've faced situations, we've all faced situations where we seem, it seems like we're in over our heads. We're not, we're not sure how we're gonna make it through this. In fact, uh, on a scarier situation in 1991, I remember in the middle of the night when my dad woke us up. We were in our house and I was six years old, the youngest of four children. And uh, my dad started shouting, get out, get out, there's a fire, there's a fire. And you know, I remember waking up and our house was filled with smoke. And my dad was screaming because our house had caught on fire in the middle of the night. 
It was a scary situation. I was the last child to get out of the house, the last one, and the only way I got out is because my dad ran back into the house risking his life to save me. And I remember just the, the feeling of, am I going to die? I really felt that as a six-year-old, staying in the bedroom, I was clinging to the side of my bedroom door thinking, is this going to be the end? And I was screaming, Daddy, save me. Jesus, save me. Someone save me. Someone rescue me. In fact, just this last summer, I was in a life-threatening situation with my child. We were, we were out um, on the beach. We were in California, and my son wanted to go and feel the Pacific Ocean. He wanted to feel the water. Well, everything seemed calm at first, and so I said, let's go down there. You know, we stand right on the shore, and the water touches his feet. He's so excited. He wants to go a little bit further out to shore, you know, off the shore into the water. So now the water's coming up to his knees. Then he wanted to go a little bit further, and I thought, you know it's okay, I'm holding his hand. He's three and a half years old. It's not the smartest thing in that moment. But I'm holding his hand, the water starts to come up to his stomach, and all of a sudden, a swell of waves come in. And uh, if you know anything about an ocean, especially the Pacific Ocean, it's a lot more intense than the Atlantic Ocean. And when a swell of waves comes in, it's just one after another. And they start picking up momentum as one wave comes in. And so all of a sudden, this big wave came in and knocked me off my feet. Now, I thought, I'm strong enough. I'm six foot tall. I'm 200 pounds plus a couple extra pounds on top of that. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Baby weight. I got to lose it. Uh, Anyways, let me keep going here. Um, so, you know, th this was scary. I got knocked off my feet. Liam gets knocked off his feet. The waves are coming over our head. It was overwhelming. I'm swallowing water. I look at my son and he's screaming. His eyes have this panic look on his face. And it scared me when I saw him look like that. Because I'm looking at his face and I'm thinking the waves, and it was a riptide, it was pulling us. It was pulling us out. And I'm fighting against the waves. I'm trying to come back. And in the middle of that moment, I had to honestly just take control of my thoughts because fear was trying to grip my mind. Have you ever been in a place where you felt like panic or fear or anxiety was trying to grip your mind? That's where I was at. It was an overwhelming situation. Anyone ever faced an overwhelming situation in your life? where you felt like your life was in danger. Maybe it was a doctor's report. Maybe it was a, a life-threatening situation for your child. Maybe it was a threat to your marriage where you just weren't sure if your marriage was gonna make it or your finances, your business, your company, uh, things that were happening in the economy, but it just felt overwhelming and the thoughts of fear and anxiety and stress and panic were trying to overcome your mind. That's what was happening to me right there in the ocean. And, and it was just one wave after another wave. And even though it was only about a minute and a half, it felt like hours that me and Liam were out there in the water trying to fight for our lives. And so finally, I had this thought. I remembered my mom had told a story when she got pulled in a riptide in Mexico 20 plus years ago and how she swam with the current to the side and uh, that if she swam sideways with the waves that she could get back to shore. And so that's what I started to do and I'm holding Liam and he's screaming, he's you know, crying and, and trying to, we're just coming up for air and then going right back into the water, the waves are coming up and we swam sideways and praise God we got back to shore, we were alive, we're okay. Now Liam doesn't wanna go into the ocean though. <laughs> So someday we're gonna have to face that fear to get back into, I mean, it scarred him, it scared him, right? He was just like, 
I'm done. I don't want to try the ocean anymore. <laughs> the rest of the trip, I would say, do you want to go to the water? He's like, nope, I'm staying 20 feet away from that ocean. I'm sitting up here on the sand. And I think about how sometimes we go through situations where it's overwhelming. You can only imagine what was going through Paul and Silas's mind in Acts 16, verse 24, when they're thrown into the inner cell, fastened in stocks. They had been stripped in public, right? Their clothes had been pulled off and they were beat. They were thrown down in the darkest, deepest dungeon. This wasn't an American prison. This wasn't a nice jail. Uh, this was, I mean, this was literally like rat-infested, dark, murky, and the inner prison would be at the bottom. There were levels to the Philippi prison. And so here they would be thrown into the darkest, deepest level so everything from the top trickles down on them. All the stuff from the other prisoners. It was nasty. It was discouraging. It was overwhelming. And yet in verse 25, they're praying and they're singing. I want to I preach this message to you about midnight instructions, how to make it through midnight, how to see victory in the middle of whatever looks overwhelming to you. And you might be in the middle of midnight right now. You might have just come through midnight. You might be headed towards midnight, but I'm telling you this message is for you and for somebody in your life that needs to see victory over a situation they're walking through. The question I always ask myself when I'm in a spiritual battle is why am I here? Why am I here? Anytime I'm in a situation where I'm in over my head, I gotta ask this question, why am I here? Let's just say that together. Say, why am I here? The answer to that question is gonna help you on the next few questions. Because the next few questions is, is secondly, what does God wanna do in me here? What does God want to do in me? Let's say that together. What does God want to do in me? I'll tell you this, whatever battle you're going through right now, God has a purpose of what he wants to do something in your, in your heart, in your mind, in your marriage, in your family, in your future. If you're facing a situation that's overwhelming, God wants to use it to do something in you. Thirdly, the question is, what, what do you wanna do for me, God? Because God does want to do something for you. The Bible says God is for us. He's not against us. So whatever you're facing, you need to ask that question, God, what do you wanna do for me? Lord, help me to grab hold of that for me thought, and then lastly, what do you wanna do through me? Could it be that the place of your greatest misery is actually meant to be the, the place of your greatest ministry? Could it be that God's going to use what the enemy meant for harm to be a platform for you to lead people to Christ that no one else could reach? that Paul and Silas would lead prisoners out of captivity, lead a jailer to Christ that they never would have uh, uh, come in contact with if they hadn't gone through that adversity? Could it be that your adversity is an opportunity for God's glory to be shown through you? Why am I here though? This question, and it needs to be answered honestly. Why am I in this battle right now? Sometimes I think we blame battles all on the devil or all on God. We say, well, God put me here. God is not your problem. God's not the author of your sickness, of your disease, of your marital issues, of, of whatever uh, problems you're facing. He is a good God. The devil is a bad devil. But sometimes there is this, we've got to take some personal responsibility. If you're facing a, a doctor's report, could it be that maybe you're in this spiritual battle because you haven't been eating right? If you're facing a battle in your marriage, could it be because you haven't been treating your spouse right? If you're facing a battle in your finances, could it be that you haven't been doing the right thing with your money? And sometimes we just need to be honest and say, hey, listen, I am sorry, God. 
I've not been treating my spouse right. I have not been handling my money right. I've not been eating right. So from this point on, now I'm asking the question, Lord, what do you wanna do in me? So there's a change that's gonna happen in the middle of midnight. Lord, do something in me. And now, God, I'm expecting you to help me break free because I believe there's healing on the other side of this midnight hour. I believe there's victory. I believe our marriage can be restored. I believe my son can come back to the Lord. Even though I missed it, God's gonna turn this thing around and he's gonna do something through me. But we've gotta back up and say, how did, how did we get here? Because I don't know about you, I like watching movies where it starts with the end scene and then it rewinds. It's like, let's see how he got there. You know, like Mission Impossible, it starts off with the cliffhanger right in the beginning of the movie and then it like rewinds and leads you all the way to the end of the movie to show you how he's gonna break free of that whatever situation it is. So let's back up a little bit. Last week we left off in Acts 14, Paul was left for dead, a circle of believers came around him in Acts 14, they prayed for him, he gets back up, him and Barnabas start preaching. Antioch church grows, it flourishes. In Acts 15, the church has to make changes or else they're gonna die. So they change the methods, they don't change the message. Uh, and that's, that's something good for all of us here today is when, when you need to change, don't be afraid to change. The only way you're gonna keep moving forward is if you change. Oftentimes we miss out on what God wants to do because we're so afraid to change. The reason they were gonna end up in the midnight hour is because change was happening in the church. It was necessary for the church to grow. The second they made changes, the church flourished. I'm so thankful to be a part of a church that's willing to change. We don't change the message, but we're willing to change the methods. Right, we're willing to allow the new ideas to come in, that we're not so married to our methods. My parents, they used to talk about that, hey Paul, the message is always Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. There, like, there is no other way except through Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is for today, and the gifts of the Spirit are for today. But the methods are all up for discussion. Let's change up the methods. Let's do some new things, right? And so the church made changes in Acts 15. One of the things that happened in Acts 15 is Paul and Barnabas got into a little dispute. And this dispute caused them to part ways. Barnabas took John Mark and Paul took Silas. And so in Acts 16, Paul and Silas, they meet a young boy named Timothy. They invite him on their adventure, their journey. Now this is Paul's second missionary trip. And in Acts 16, verse six, Paul wants to go to Asia. He said, man, I, I wanted to go to Asia, but I was forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach in Asia. Asia. I don't know if you catch this, but the reason why they're, they're in this prison cell is because some doors had closed right before all of this happened. And I want to remind you today that the same God who opens the prison doors sometimes will close doors that you wish he would open in your life. And you've got to trust him with the closed doors just like you trust him with the open doors. Sometimes we get angry and frustrated at a closed door door and God says, I'm saving you from marrying the wrong person. You're saying, but God, I really wanted that, that person. I mean, I thought that relationship was supposed to work out. They were forbidden to go where they wanted to go. Sometimes God will forbid you to go where you want to go because where you want to go is not where you need to go. Who you want to marry is not who you need to marry. God has, you need to trust that God is setting you up for something better. He's closing one door because he has a better open door for you. And trust him, move on from the closed door and move to the next door. Proverbs 3 verse 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Acknowledge him in all your ways and he will direct your 
paths. When I was in college, I wanted to be a rock star, right? I had these dreams. I had pictures. I did. I, I was like, I took like uh, pictures of myself with like a guitar and a piano and like had my hair slicked back. It was just weird. They were like, this is like, what is this? Glamour shots? I was like, yep. Sign me, put me on a record label, you know? And so I was writing songs, sending them to all these record labels. Nobody would pick me up. I was like, what's wrong with me, right? And we would do concerts. And I was wondering why these doors weren't opening. And I didn't realize and as we, our band started progressing and, and all of a sudden some opportunities started coming our way. And I, I remember God saying, you don't wanna go through that door right now. I, that's not the door I have for you. You've got to trust me, Paul, that, that I am closing some doors in your face because I have something else for you. I didn't realize that the summer of 2008, I would get a call and I graduated college and I didn't have a job waiting for me. So I'm like, why didn't the doors open with the band? I didn't realize that the summer of 2008, God was going to open a door for me to be the college pastor here at Victory. And then a year after that, my father would pass away. And a year after that, I would begin pastoring our Saturday night service. And two years after that, I would become the pastor of Victory Church. See, God sees the beginning from the end. And he sees every part of your life. And you've got to trust that when he's closing some doors in your current season, he's got something else down the road. He says, listen, I know you want that, but I've got something else that I've called you to do. So Paul and Silas moved on. They decided not to get hung up about Asia. And in verse 9, they have this vision. God speaks to him, come to Macedonia. Paul has this vision about a guy who's saying, come to Macedonia. So I love Paul's obedience. In verse 10, it says, he immediately, he immediately went to Macedonia. First time obedience. When God speaks to you to do something, don't drag your feet. You may miss the opportunity. You've got to move with obedience. So listen, he goes to Philippi, which is a part of Macedonia, leads this girl to Christ named Lydia, and then we get to verse 16. This is all leading towards midnight. Some of you are asking in the room, why am I at the midnight hour? There's certain things that leads you to the place that you're at. And you've gotta trace those steps and remember that the same God who closes doors also plans to open doors. In verse 16, it happened as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us. Now, divination in the Greek is actually translated the spirit of Python. I was gonna bring a python to church and let it loose in the, in the room today just to show you the illustration to wake some of you guys up. Come on. Y'all are like, he is crazy. <laughs> no, I would never do that. <laughs> I wouldn't. Y'all are like, I don't know, man. I don't know. Sometimes you do some crazy stuff. No, I would not do that. But here's the, here's the thing, if you've ever been to the zoo or been to, you know, watched Animal Planet, seen a python before, a python wraps itself around its victims and then it squeezes. It's not venomous, it's the squeezing, it's the choking out of the victim. What its plan is, is to choke the breath out of the victim. This slave girl is carrying a spirit of divination and she's following Paul and Silas as they're going to pray. What she wants to do is she wants to choke out their ministry. She wants to choke the breath out. Prayer is breath to your spiritual life. You need to stop, you need to keep breathing. Don't hold your breath. You need to keep praying. So this, this, this spirit of Python is trying to choke out their passion. Some of you don't even realize why you're so exhausted every single day. There's a spirit of Python trying to choke out your passion 
a spirit of python trying to choke out your desire to pray? Could it be the reason you're so tired every single day is that you're not praying enough? You've allowed the enemy, that spirit of python, to choke out your prayer life. If you'll start praying, I think you'll get your energy back. If you'll start taking authority over the darkness, watch this, this woman is following uh, Paul and Silas, and she starts shouting at them, these men are the servants of the most high God who proclaimed us the way of salvation. <laughs> when I tell Bible stories to my kids, I do all the voices, so welcome to dad world with toddlers, right? So this, this girl is like, she's mocking them, and she's, she's speaking the truth, but she's saying it in a mocking way. She's making fun of them. And it's over and over and over. And it's not just one day. It's day after day after day. Look at the next verse. It says she kept doing this for many days. But Paul, who was greatly annoyed. I love that's in the Bible. I love that they say he was greatly annoyed. Because I'm like, thank you. Because sometimes I get greatly annoyed. <laughs> and uh, recently, my, my, my two boys, my older boys, Liam and Benny, they were messing with each other. Liam kept on taunting Beniah, our two-year-old, and kept messing with him and touching his head. Benny had a little baseball bat just turned around after a second and just went, bam, and hit Liam, and Liam starts crying. He's like, Daddy, and you know, I separated them. I was like, that was funny. <laughs> oh my goodness, it's fun raising little guys. Uh, so Paul gets so annoyed, he's like, stop it. I command you in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. Now listen, listen. Paul doesn't address the person, he addresses the spirit. You're not in a people battle, you're in a spiritual battle. Could it be that the coworker who's mistreating you, the boss, the supervisor, the spouse, the family member, the person that you're at odds with, what if it's not a people battle? What if it's a spiritual battle? And the only way to win a spiritual battle is not to yell at the person, but to pray against the spirit. To command the spirit of division that's trying to split you up, that's trying to make you angry, that's causing strife in your house. You need to watch the movie War Room. You need to get that power of taking authority. You have power over demonic forces. When Paul spoke over that spirit and said, come out in Jesus' name, immediately it says in the scripture, he came out that very moment. I wanna tell you today, there is a real hell, regardless of what you hear from any spiritual leader, there is a real hell, there's a real heaven, there's a real devil, there's a real Jesus, there are real demons, there are real angels. You say, how do you know? Because I believe in the authority of the scripture, and I'm not just making up my own doctrines on stage. You don't come to a church where I just create my own doctrine. The word of God is clear. The devil is real. Darkness is real. There's such thing as witchcraft, right? There's such thing as, as, as all that darkness. But can I tell you that God's power is so much stronger than any demonic power that you might see out there? You have authority over every demonic attack that comes against you. I remember watching this baseball game, and by the way, our, our boys baseball team at Victory is headed to the state championship, first time in the history of the baseball program at Victory. That's amazing. But I remember watching this baseball game, and, and there was this play in the game. I'll never forget it. It was a trick play. It was pretty cool. This batter had hit a base hit, so he gets to first base, 
And uh, he's taunting the pitcher the whole time. He's taunting the first baseman. He starts leading off. He wants to steal second, right? And so he's kind of shouting at them, just trying to get in their head. This is what athletes do. They get in their opponent's head. They know if I can get in their head, I can mess with their game. I can mess with their skill. This is what the enemy wants to do. He wants to get in your head because the battle is between the ears. He wants to get your thoughts all worried, anxious, stressed, panicked, offended, bitter, mad, questioning, assuming, trying to figure out everything without God's help. Instead of praying, you're worrying. And so this, this, this batter, this guy who's now on first and he's leading off, he's taunting the pitcher. The pitcher turns around, throws it back to first. The, the runner, you know, tags first. He's safe. This happens two or three times where he's taunting him, tags first. He's safe. He's safe. And the pitcher throws it now a fourth time and the first baseman motions back like this. But he was hiding the ball. The runner thinks that the pitcher has it. So the pitcher, you know, goes like this as if he's getting ready to pitch the ball. The runner starts to lead off and the first baseman just kind of walks up to him and just taps him and says, you're out. <laughs> Shows him the ball. What? Come on, that was a trick play right there. I was amazed. I was like, that was awesome. I didn't see that coming. Some of y'all need to tap the devil and say, you're out. Stop trying to steal my marriage. Stop trying to steal my children. Stop trying to steal my joy. Stop trying to steal my peace. You're out. I've got authority in the name of Jesus. Get out of my house. Get out of my church. Get out of my family. Get out of my health. Get out of my finances. Get out of my business. Get out of my company. Get out of my investments. You need to start taking authority over every demonic attack against your life. Somebody say you're out. You're out. That's what Paul did. But you've got to be prepared because the next thing that happens, how do you get to midnight? When you mess with the devil, <laughs> you're kicking the hornet's nest. You better be prepared because in verse 19, when the masters, this woman was under the control. I mean, this was trafficking happening right here. This was human trafficking, slavery. When the master saw their hope of profit was gone. Paul and Silas set this woman free. The masters got angry. It was all about money. They dragged them into the marketplace. This is where the midnight hour starts to happen. As they're moving in the ministry, the more you're moving in the purpose God has for you, the more the devil's gonna come after you. There will be persecution in following Jesus. Jesus never promised us that we would never have a trouble in following him, but he did promise to be our ever-present help in time of trouble. He said, hey, listen, there will be trouble, there will be persecution, but take heart, I will be with you. I have overcome these troubles, and greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So if you're walking through adversity, you're not alone, I'm gonna help you get through it. Recently, I was watching this um, testimony from, from someone who went to Africa because our, our church is getting ready to go to Africa in two months. We're gonna be there on a mission trip. I'm so excited. But someone who's connected to our church went to Mozambique and while her team was there, they came upon a witch doctor who tried to stop their ministry. The witch doctor carried around snakes everywhere he went. And it was so powerful what God did that I wanted to show you this week and just a quick testimony as we, as we get closer to the end here, but I want you to see what God can do, that there's no power of darkness that can overcome the power of light. Check this out. Yeah. 
Friday morning, we woke, we woke up and we're blessing the chief and we're greeting everyone, having a blast. And some people came and said, um, there's a man with some snakes. He was a witch doctor. His girlfriend was a witch doctor. She had leprosy. She had no, um, no fingers left, no toes left, just little stubs. And he was there with three puffer adders, these crazy venomous snakes. And he came to just disrupt everything. And we just prayed and I talked to him and I just literally challenged him. And the Lord gave me a word for him that he was really, really tired. And I just said, you're so tired. You're tired of darkness. And even some of you watching, you know, I'm tired of darkness. I want to come into the light. Well, this man just looked at me and I, I told him, we have to kill your snakes. And I've killed a lot of snakes, you know, venomous snakes are always there to hurt. So we dug a really big hole in the name of Jesus. Those three venomous snakes just burned up and the witch doctor came to Jesus. His girlfriend came to Jesus. It was so powerful. There was just suddenly this peace around me. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands, and when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. So I asked him, do you want to be baptized? And he said, yes, I want to be baptized. And I said, are you committed to each other? Do you want to be married? And he said, yes, we want to, we want to be married. We want to be married before God. We're now we're going to follow Jesus. And they looked each other in the eyes. And, and we did their vows right down there by the baptismal water. And I said, you want to be baptized now? Of course, the whole village saw it, and we found out later that this man was hated and feared by everyone because he was so dangerous. The police couldn't stop him. No one could kill him. And now he's a man of God, and the whole village watched. So now they're, they're set free from the demons. They're set free from the evil power of the snakes and all the witchcraft. And they've come to know Jesus as their Savior. Now they're married. And then they came, and they went into the baptismal water. We are alive for such a time as this. Come on, Jesus. We are alive for such a time as this. Powerful. Powerful. I remember when I was a little boy, I used to have nightmares, and I, I, would, I, would, I would wake up in the middle of the night just sweating and crying, thinking I was going to die in my sleep. I was so overwhelmed by the darkness, and uh, I was afraid of the dark. I always had to have lights on in the room, and, and it scared me. Like, just in, being in the dark, it just scared me. And I would run to my parents' bedroom, and I would say, hey, I'm scared. I'm having nightmares. And they would pray for me, and they put their hands on my head, and they'd say, peaceful, Paul. And they'd pray that I would have sweet sleep. But, but it was hard for me to go back to my room. I just felt like something was going to hurt me. I hadn't watched a ton of scary movies besides all, like, the end times movies that they had me watch, like Mark of the Beast and stuff like that. <laughs> Pastor's kid issues. We just watch all the end times movies that come out. And uh, so, 
So, but I was scared, I was afraid I was gonna die and all this kind of stuff. And this one night, my dad told me this story and he sat me down on the bed. He said, Paul, I read this book by Smith Wigglesworth where he shared that one night he woke up and he heard this eerie creaking sound happening in his living room and um, his wife was in the bed. They didn't have any children living at the house at the time. So he knew something was off and he just kept hearing this eerie creaking, rocking noise. And so he said, Smith Wigglesworth writes in his book that he got up, walked into the living room and sitting in his rocking chair was the devil. And the devil was rocking back and forth, just staring at him. And he said, I looked at the devil and said, oh, it's just you. And I went back to sleep. And I was like, that's crazy, dad. I was like, I hope the devil's not in our house. So I'm like going in the living room every night, just checking the rocking chair. But the point of the story was this. The devil has no power over you. There's no power. The darkness cannot mess with you. And in verse 25, at about midnight, they started to pray and sing hymns to God. Instructions for midnight. Number one, your breakthrough is an inside job. Your breakthrough is an inside job. If you're taking notes, just put this down. Say it's an inside job. It's on the inside. You've got to take authority of your thoughts in the middle of the midnight hour. True story, there was a guy named Nick who was loading stuff on railroad carts and there was a refrigerated cart that he was putting stuff inside. He thought it was refrigerated. It had been unplugged for months. But he's putting stuff inside and all of a sudden the door closes behind him. In his mind, he's convinced this is a refrigerated cart. True story, he starts shouting, screaming because the door locked. He couldn't get out of the cart. All the employees were going out to celebrate another employee's birthday. They had all left. It was the end of the day. Suddenly it dawned on him, I'm locked inside this cart and I'm gonna be in here all night and no one's gonna save me and I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die. He just allowed his mind to go there. Then he starts thinking in his mind, I'm gonna freeze to death. It's freezing in here. Now, just so you know, the next day they found this guy. He had written on a cardboard box his last final words to his wife and children. They found him frozen to death. The temperature inside the cart was 70 degrees. There was plenty of air to live multiple days inside that cart and not die. What had happened? As a man thinketh, so is he. If you think you're gonna die, chances are your thoughts are gonna take you places. If you think your marriage is defeated, if you think you're not gonna make it in the next season, as a man thinketh, so is he. You've got to renew your mind. You've gotta start winning on the inside so you can win on the outside. See, Paul and Silas, they were shackled on the outside. I need some chains for a second. Can you come up here? Give our security guard a big hand. They help watch out for us every Sunday. I want you to see this. They were locked up on the outside, but they were not locked up on the inside. Someone could shackle your hands, but they cannot shackle your mind. Someone could shackle your hands, but they cannot shackle your mouth. You can lock me up, but you cannot lock up my faith. You cannot lock up my praise. You cannot lock up my joy. You might be able to strip me of my badge, but you can't strip me of my honor. You cannot strip me of my integrity. You might be able to cut me out of the, the company, but you cannot cut out my faith. So I'm gonna make it. I'm gonna make it. I might be locked up on the outside, but I'm free on the inside. So many people look free on the outside, but they're locked up on the inside. They're locked up in fear. They're locked up in worry. They're locked up in stress. Everybody say it's an inside job. You've got to win in here before you win out there. 
Number two, don't battle alone. Some of you are battling your spiritual battles in isolation. We were never created to battle alone. This is why Jesus said, I'm sending you out two by two. This is why the disciples did all of their work in community. They were together. Can you imagine Paul and Silas right there in the prison cell? AJ, will you come up here? And, and, and imagine if Paul and Silas were inside this prison cell and Paul says, Silas, you go in your corner, I'm going in my corner. I'm not even gonna talk to you. This is what a lot of Christians do. We come to church, I'm gonna sit all by myself because nobody knows what I'm going through. Nobody's struggling with what I'm struggling with. Everyone here is perfect. No, they're not. They got issues just like you. And until you open up and get in community, you'll never have a partner to battle with you. You've gotta move over in the cell and say, hey Silas, I could use some help right now. Hey, let's not battle alone, let's battle together. It says they were praying together, they were worshiping together. One can put a thousand to flight, but two can put 10,000 to flight. Stop facing your battles all by yourself. Stop facing your struggles all by yourself. Get in a connect group, go in the growth track, start serving on the dream team here. Start making friends, linger a little bit in church, come down to the altar call for once, introduce yourself to somebody, ask someone to pray for you. Say, I'm going through something. I could use a Silas in my life. I could use a Paul, I could use a brother, a sister to pray with me. Give him a big hand. Now, midnight is a dark place. It's not bright at midnight, it's dark. So I wanna bring the lights down a little bit in this place. Because my third point is you gotta connect to the power source. See, when you're in the middle of the midnight hour, you've gotta find power from your source. The way to connect to the power source is through prayer. Man, you can begin to play. Because here's the point, you've gotta pray even when you cannot see the light. Your prayer is a light in the darkness. As you begin to pray, you're gonna light up the dark. So Holy Spirit, I thank you right now in this place that I have power. Lord, I thank you I'm not alone in this battle. Lord, I thank you you're causing all things to work together for good. Lord, I thank you you're opening the right doors and you're closing the wrong doors. Lord, I thank you what looks like a setback is actually a setup for a comeback. Lord, I thank you, God, that this adversity is just an opportunity for you to get the glory in me and through me. So, Lord, I'm not going to be discouraged because I know where my help comes from. I will remain confident in this. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Hey, Silas, the Lord is our shepherd, so we shall not want. He makes us to lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside still waters. He restores our soul. And yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will not fear any evil, for the Lord is with us. And hey, hey, hey Silas, he's going to prepare a table before us in the presence of our enemies. Hey, Silas, let's pray right now that he surrounds us with a shield of favor. See, when you're in the darkness, you've got to learn how to pray the light into the darkness. How do you pray the light? You pray the power and the, and the word of God. Number four, you can bring the lights up. Number four, number four, this is the final point, instructions for midnight. Activate your mouth for praise to come out. Activate your mouth for praise to come out. I might be in shackles, and by the way, I got the key right here. So no magic tricks, you got the key too. The key is in your worship. The key is in your praise. So as I start to praise, you are good, good, 
so there's no keyboardist. You got to learn how to sing when there's no melody. You got to learn how to sing when there's no music. You got to learn how to praise even when the lights go out on your marriage, even when the lights go out on your business, even when the lights go out as a single and you thought you were going to get married and you're still in that certain season, you've got to learn how to praise to your breakthrough. Praise till the chains come off. So here I stand in the dark, and I've got a prison playlist. I've got a prison playlist. I've got some go-to songs that I go to when I'm going through a crisis. I've got songs that I pull up on my iPod, or my phone now, I don't have an iPod. I've got songs that I sing when I don't have any technology, songs that I just release from my mouth. The night my father passed away, I remember walking in the dark and depression was trying to chain me up. Depression was trying to shackle me down. And I started singing an old school Kirk Franklin song. With Jesus I can make it, with him I know I can stand. No matter what may come my way, my life is in your hands. With Jesus, I can take it. I know that I can stand. No matter what may come my way, my life is in your hands. One night when I was going through a really intense season where the enemy was trying to get me defeated, I started singing an old 90s Daryl Evans song. I'm trading my sorrows. I'm trading my shame. And I'm laying them down for the joy of the Lord. Come on, church, you know that 90s song. I'm trading my sickness. I'm trading my pain. I'm laying them down. Yeah, the other prisoners started listening. They started singing together. We're singing, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. I hear some chains yes, breaking this yes, morning. Lord, I hear yes, some shackles yes, falling off. Yes, Lord, Come on, yes, when you start to praise yes, yes, in the darkness, the other prisoners start feeling something in the place. Yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, amen. Come on, give God praise in this place right now. Lord, your praise will ever be on my lips. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. 
You've got to learn to praise God in the middle of midnight. Some of you are there right now, and you think the answer is Instagram. You think the answer is social media. You think the answer is more alcohol. You think the answer is drugs or porn or some other addiction. God says none of that's going to solve your issues. The only way you're going to break through this midnight hour is when you get connected in community, when you take authority over your mind, when you start praying. Prayer precedes the breakthrough. And when you start praising, you've got to activate your mouth for praise to come out. You've got the key to break every chain. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. To break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. There is power in the name of Jesus. Sing it out, church. There is power in the name of Jesus. I hear the chains falling. There is power in the name of Jesus. To break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. It says that as they begin to pray, as they begin to praise, all of a sudden, they began to feel an earthquake that night. All of a sudden, the foundations of the prison started shaking. Started rumbling. The chains started to come off. The lights were coming on. Come on. That night, they broke out of their prison cell. All over the prison, chains were coming off. The doors were coming loose. Come on, give God praise. Give God praise. Come on. Lord, I know, I know, 
I know that you can do it. I know that you can do it. I want you to close your eyes all over this place. That night, the prison doors flung open. God opened the way for Paul and Silas to be a witness right there in the prison. They had a, they had a prison ministry right there. God's going to use your test to be a testimony. Your mess is going to be a message. The place of your greatest misery is about to be the place of your greatest ministry. And God says, this this setback that you're walking through, this uncertainty you're facing, the only way to break through it, don't go scrolling on Instagram, that's not the answer. The only way to break through it, don't go back to the bottle, don't go back to the websites, don't go back to those addictions. The only way to break through it is through prayer, through praise, through the community of believers, through renewing your mind in God's word. Today, God says, I'm gonna set you free. God says, I'm gonna see those chains fall off you. If you're facing a battle right now, I want you to raise your hand all over this room. If you're going through a battle, maybe it's a battle to keep joy in your heart. Maybe it's a battle to keep the faith in your mind. Maybe it's a battle against the relationship that you have. Maybe it's a battle about the next season. There's uncertainty. Maybe it's a battle right now to, to break out of an addiction. Maybe you've been all caught up in addiction. God says, I'm gonna set you free from that stronghold. Maybe you're battling depression right now. There's just been a depressing spirit. You've been choked out. The spirit of Python has been trying to choke out your, your excitement for life, your passion for life, your enjoyment of life. Today, it's time to get the power back. Today, it's time to get those chains broken off. If you raised your hand or should have raised your hand, I want you to leave your seat. Come and join me at this altar right here, right now. Just leave your chair. Come down. Chains are going to fall. Come on, let's sing that song. I see those chains falling, Timmy. I see those chains, I see those chains falling. falling. I see those chains falling. Man, I sense something in my heart right now. Strongholds are being broken. The earthquake shook the foundations of the prison. I believe that when the power of God shows up, it shakes the foundations of mental strongholds. So some of it, you don't even realize it's been built up since you were a little kid. You've been holding on to labels and words that people spoke over you that has created a lifestyle that God never intended for you. Some of you, there's been foundations of the prison. The prison is so strong, all these pillars and foundations, they have to shake. It says the Bible, the earthquake shook the foundations and knocked out the doors, the chains came off. What's happening right now is there's just a, there's like this intense, Shaking, this avalanche of just everything the enemy's piled on top of you is breaking down. It's dissolving in your mind. All I can see is it's, it's like it's everything that's been built up, that intense, complex foundation of, of demonic stronghold, torment, fear, anxiety, worry, all of it. It's dissolving. God's saying, I'm bringing peace. I'm bringing hope. I'm bringing joy. I'm setting you free of depression setting you free of torment. I'm giving you victory in that battle right now. The thing that you've been fighting, the person you've been fighting, God says, I'm, I'm changing the direction of the battle. And the battles, it's, it's going to be won. It's going to be won through prayer and praise. It's going to be won through the authority of the believer, taking your authority in your mind of whose you are. You're a child of God. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I'm no longer a slave. 
been battling fear, just put your hands on your mind. I am a child of God. I have the mind of Christ. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child You split the sea so I could walk right Drowned in perfect love. You rescued me so I could stand and see. I am a child of God. I want to just remind you, and I know we've stayed later today, but man, I'm I'm thankful for a church that's not afraid to go a little bit longer to worship and to let the presence of God move. I don't want to keep you any longer, but I feel like just reminding you, because Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday, you might, you might experience some sort of a midnight attack, and you need to go back to what you heard today. Remind yourself. Get that word back. It's an inside job. Don't battle alone. Connect to the power source. Activate my mouth to praise. It's an inside job. Don't battle alone. Connect to the power source. Activate my mouth to praise. Worship, prayer, community, and renewing your mind in the Word of God. I'm telling you, you're going to win the battle. Pray this with me. Say, Jesus, I'm all yours. Thank you for setting me free, giving me victory, giving me victory, giving me freedom, giving me joy, giving me peace. I have the mind of Christ. I'm a child of God. I'm more than a conqueror. I will overcome by the blood of Jesus, by the word of my testimony. You died on the cross for me. You rose from the dead for me. I'm all yours, God. I repent of sin and I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I receive your forgiveness. I am righteous through Jesus. I'm all yours, God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Give God praise. I love you, church.